Hey there, it's Jacqueline with Sound Body Wisdom. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the inner tribe. And, uh, you know, sometimes I call it our parts, talking to our parts. But I love uh, working with the metaphor of our inner tribe. Um, it's really one of the main ways that I sort of interact with myself and all the different ways that I move internally, the places I struggle, the places I thrive. So learning to work with um, my parts or my inner tribe has been huge. Um, and I've seen it in my work with other people uh, be a terrific tool, um, super helpful for developing a whole new relationship um, for how we see ourselves and work with um, all that is our blessing and all that is our challenge uh, of being us. So a little bit of background is that, you know, many years ago, I began to notice that there were times when I, I'd feel completely at ease, you know, no struggle and have no constriction. And then there were other times that I would feel the total opposite of that, you know. I decided to see what I could notice in these shifting moments and what were the shades in between. So it was within this exploration that I noticed threads of different, I guess, aspects of myself. I mean, ultimately, this is all about this massive canopy of me, but I chose to recognize different emotions and thoughts as sort of distinct parts or aspects of myself. This came from a time where the volume or the quantity of emotions and thoughts was just, it was too much, and it would just happen all at once, like a cacophony inside. So I had to learn to see if I could find a distinction in the feelings or the voices or the thoughts. Um, and if I could see the distinction, then I could easily address them. And if I could sort of see them individually or address them individually, I didn't feel as overwhelmed. So the cool byproduct of this approach was that I began to develop a deeper sense of relationship with myself. And I've learned more about sort of my inner workings than I could have ever imagined. So let me try to describe the process a little more in detail and move away from this, the realm of vagueness. Um, I try to give big picture and then get down into the details because um, all of this can sort of, you know, people can glaze over when it's this much content. And it's often a lot easier to work with people in person. Um, but that's a little bit of the big picture, and now let me see if I can give you more detail. So in the beginning, I would, I would aim to notice the times when I went from feeling good to less than good. And as soon as I noticed this shift, I would try to also notice all the qualities uh, in my environment, inside and out, just, just notice them. So first I'd have to have the awareness that a shift had happened, basically and then go on the treasure hunt of observing as much as I could, the qualities inside and out. So there would tend to be a thought pattern and then sort of the soundtrack, the thoughts of the soundtrack, a voice that had a, a conditioned response to some form of stimulus or something that was happening or a situation. So for example, um, it might be, I would read an article about someone achieving some grand success in the newspaper. And then a litany of thoughts or voices would begin that they weren't really loving, but they were a little bit more harsh or critical of me and in comparing, you know, to what I just read about the success. So in that moment, if I could notice it when it was happening, 
I would address this sort of unhelpful commentary, the more sort of harsh commentary, I would just address it directly and personally. So this was a key tool in this process. If I simply noticed the voices or the response and then just made sort of general statements to contradict it, or just observed and, oh, just reminded myself, oh, there was other ways outside this condition pattern, or if I just stayed sort of vague about it, it didn't land. It didn't really create the change. But when I addressed these thoughts, these voices directly and personally, the whole game changed. So imagine the difference between trying to have a relationship with just some big amorphous mass or like a distinct entity. So for me, knowing myself, it really is a form of intimate relationship. Um, so when something's amorphous, I wasn't able to really have that intimacy. So the process of how it went from amorphous to personal, that came when I simply asked questions, when I spoke directly to the thoughts or the feelings or the voices or the sensations. I didn't have an expectation or a concept of a reply happening, but I spoke directly to them. Like in, in the instance of like a self-deprecating thought, I would simply ask what they need. I mean, that is where I started my relationship of getting to know them. I would continue to inquire until I heard something. I mean, anything from them, any sort of intuition or a glimpse of what I might you know, imagine was a response. So from there, it would just evolve and it would grow. The questions would shift and sometimes it took longer than others or there would be unexpected answers or replies. There were also times I would simply wait and I'd let them know I would be there to listen when they were ready to talk to me. I would never force anything and I would never get frustrated with them. And I think that's pretty key actually to, to not try to force the relationship. <laughs> um, so let me, basically, as you may notice, there is, when I'm talking about this or explaining it, there's a part of me that's speaking directly to other parts of me. And it was important that the part asking the questions wasn't just some other sort of small, uh, restricted or constricted part of me, uh, or, or a thought pattern based in feeling bad or limited. So the aspect of me, the part of me that does the noticing and the one that does the questions, it's, it's sort of this big, wide, expansive space of yeah, it's it's not trying to get something. It's sort of like what a parent can do for a child. Um, but generally, just I consider it like my wise woman or just that expansive space inside. So someone recently asked me to say more about that. You know, well, what was my wise woman? And it really is this place of expansive and unconditioned love and kindness. So it's without judgment or attachment to opinions. It simply shows up with these wide open arms and says, I'm here to listen and hold space for you. So this quality is clearly the medicine that works for me. And I imagine it, each person's sort of wise part would offer that exact medicine that that individual needs, right? We each need something unique. But I would dare to suppose that unconditioned love is really something that is healing for everybody, for all of us, not just me. And that's what this, this wise part did. 
Um, so this expansive presence, this wise part, simultaneously exists along with the, the scared or the small feeling parts, the ones that are sort of needing something and that sort of tug at you or have the voices or the feelings in your body or stimulate these emotions. So getting in touch with that wise, expansive part of me to hold the space for the rest of my tribe, my inner tribe, the rest of my parts was essential because that was the part who could show up with unconditioned love or judgment or criticism, no expectations, and just hold space and say, what do you need? What do you want? And then engage in that direct conversation with these different parts. So the moment I can notice when the lesser than parts are sort of showing up or making themselves known, so to speak, and start affecting things, that's, that's when I need to pause. If we just kind of be ignore it or slough it off or just go on with business as usual, it doesn't work. We're letting the pattern play out. And what we're interested here is in changing this pattern, changing the relationship. So the pause is critical in this work because it helps differentiate these, these smaller feeling parts or these parts that have these needs that they're, you know, doing whatever they can to try to feel like they can meet them. Um, so when I'm able to differentiate those sort of restricted parts from my more expansive wise presence, that's when we can start this relationship and start engaging. So when I can notice this and realize it's, it's not all just one big amorphous mass and I can see the distinctions in, in the parts, then I can begin the direct conversation. From here, you can learn and shape your relationships with all of these thought patterns, all of these conditioned parts, all of these restricted aspects of yourself. So again, learning to notice when it's happening, developing that sense of that wise, expansive like aspect of you, that part of you that can hold space for these other more restricted parts of you, and then directly engage them. So the more I've gotten to know all these parts inside, and the more I've talk to them, the more I've developed a relationship with them, there isn't animosity. There isn't like, oh, I can't stand this part of me or like, I wish it would shut up. None of that. It really is. The more I get to know them and meet them with kindness and allow them to have their space or just connect to them without trying to get rid of them, that's the more that they sort of heal or, or sometimes they just simply integrate into the overall system of me. So there is no intention to get rid of some part of me. I find that when I give them attention, I listen and I don't ignore them, they stop sort of acting out the way they once did. So there's an analogy I use of driving the car. I might ask myself, okay, who's driving the car right now? If I notice some sort of you know constriction inside or an emotion that's coming through or thoughts, I'll just sort of do a personal inquiry like, okay, who's driving my car right now? So ideally, when I'm feeling balanced and neutral and just moving through the world really well, it's that wise, open presence in me that is driving the car. But, you know, that's not what always happens. Sometimes another part gets behind the wheel. So when I notice a sort of contracted or insecure or a part that's feeling small that has gotten in the driver's seat, well, I mean, it's my wise woman or this wise presence 
noticing, reflecting on the shift and that the wheel has now been passed off to somebody else. So that part of me, that wise, expansive part of me can choose to ride shotgun as opposed to demanding, give me the car back. And, you know, that's not what this wise open presence does. It holds space. It makes sure that we're not going to wreck the car. It makes sure, you know, there isn't going to be an accident. It holds boundaries, but it's not going to demand to get the car back. So that wise, expansive part is being a witness. If, you know, doesn't have to force anything to happen, can cruise around riding shotgun, make small talk, turn on the radio, comment on the scenery all around. And at some point, you know, my wise part may, might say something like, hey, so I, I love driving too. If you get tired, let me know. And eventually, by not trying to force, forcefully take away the wheel or take over driving, a trust is established. And that part that was driving can willingly just hand over the keys. And in the end, the wise part doesn't kick this challenged part out of the car. The wise part says, hey, do you want to go for a drive? And that relationship gets rooted in trust and care, and it's, it's less adversarial. And so, I mean, basically, it's, it's not forcing anything to happen. It's really about holding space, meeting it with kindness, knowing that you don't have to, to force anything. So all in all, this process is really one of curiosity and creativity. You know, I'm always improvising. No book or person could have fully prepared me for the scenarios I've encountered. I've had to be willing to step out of preconceived methods and ideas. It's like raising a child where they're always surprising you. So I open myself to the mystery and then I stay on my toes, but with love and kindness. So if I was going to break it down, probably into like six steps. So the first thing is using your awareness to actually notice when there is a shift inside, when you shift from that place of sort of neutrality, of feeling balanced, that wise, expansive part of you, into a part of you that feels limited or contracted or um, any thought or emotional pattern that, that feels like a restriction. Um, so you got to notice when it's happening. So then the second step is once you notice it, you get to press pause or interrupt it, I like to say. So don't let it can just continue as usual and just be like, well, that's just how it goes or that's the status quo. I don't believe in that. So we can always interrupt anything that's going on for us. We just have to have the awareness and, and make the choice to go for it. So interrupt it from continuing as usual. Because three, you're going to choose to differentiate by speaking directly to the thought or the emotion. So by speaking directly to whatever's going on inside, even when you feel completely confused or in the dark, that's, that's part of how you interrupt it. That's part of how you press pause. You notice it, you realize you want to pause or interrupt, and then you make that choice to differentiate that there is a wise, expansive part of you, and it's not the one in the driver's seat right now. So you, you speak directly to that more restricted feeling part of you. And four, you're going to be curious. You're going to be kind. You're going to be respectful. Like I think being respectful is super important um, when you speak directly to this part. So just feel that openness and that curiosity in you to want to get to know this part, 
even if you don't like it, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you're sick of it, how do you show up with curiosity, kindness, and respect? So you might want to sit with those things before trying this. Like, how do you do that when you're sick of something or don't like it or uncomfortable? How do you show up with curiosity, kindness, and respect? And then five, ask it questions. Establish trust. Get to know more about it. So it might feel strange at first, but it really is just calling into your own unconscious and trying to collect insights. Not about where this part necessarily came from or why, but just be like, you know, what do you need? Like, tell me, tell me what's going on. Ask it for insights, ask it for clues. So just show up and ask the questions. Um, and six, let your intention be to develop a relationship, which brings natural integration as opposed to getting rid of it. So you show up asking questions to establish trust, not with, you know, like you're chomping at the bit for it to get out of Dodge, like get out of here. You're showing up and asking questions with the intention of developing a relationship with this part of you and creating a bridge so that it doesn't feel isolated and on the outside. So this is what helps basically the part to not feel like it's sort of this rebel that needs to take over driving the car or be yanking at your coattails or kind of disturbing the peace. If you are choosing when and how to give it attention, then it's not demanding it at all these other times when you aren't really involved or having a say in it. It's, it's looking for an opportunity and it's grabbing hold of the wheel. So it just keeps this setup for there being this sort of like this animosity, this antagonistic relationship. And what I've seen make a huge difference in myself and with the people that I work with is actually having it be a tribe, having it be that all parts are in it together. And when your wise, expansive part, that space in you, is able to realize that and trust that and show up and hold space for these parts, make dates with these parts, talk to them when you're feeling good. That's a huge piece. Um, so not just when there's struggle, like actually show up and talk to them when you're feeling great and resourced um, to develop these relationships. I, I can't even say enough about how that can be a total game changer. So try these steps and remember to practice it when you're not in a heavily triggered situation. Um, try to do it when it, you're a little less uh, activated. So more innocuous situations. Um, and we tend to, like if it's something that's a really strong trigger for us, um, where we have a strong reaction, it's really difficult to access any resource. So you want to build up your your technique with this, your skill with this, your, you know, in a way your muscle memory with this uh, during times when you have more resource or things are not as um, loaded so that you can really um, use that muscle memory in times when it's happening really quick and you're reacting. All right, so stay in touch. Let me know what you think with comments and uh, I look forward to talking to you again. All right, this is Jacqueline with Sound Body Wisdom. Thanks.